0: I'm Ava Hartling, welcome to The Brand is Female. My guest this week is Tara Downs, the founder and owner of Downs & Ross, a New York based art gallery that specializes in emerging contemporary art. Tara grew up in Canada and launched her own gallery called Tomorrow in Toronto in 2011. She then moved to Berlin to be director of the Tanya Layden Art Gallery until she came back to Canada and decided to take a chance and move to New York City, a decision she calls the most spontaneous she ever took. Shortly after Tara opened her own space in New York's Lower East Side and about three years later she merged with her partner Alex Ross to open Downs & Ross, now located on the Bowery. Tara has found success as a young gallery owner in the highly competitive art world and she's built amazing credibility for both her career and her gallery within the industry. She's known for her unbelievable instinct in finding emerging artists with a unique point of view. I met with Tara in Montreal as she was just about to give a talk at the Paper Art Fair. And we did this interview from the wonderful William Gray Hotel in the heart of Old Montreal. If you like today's show, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you like to listen to podcasts. And now, let's hear from Tara.
1: I mean, as a child, I felt like I had a very isolated existence, just like very dreamy childhood. I had one best friend, and we just kind of built an imaginary together. Uh, it was. I was living in a small town, not relating to anybody who was there, so kind of we were each other's lifelines, and we continued to be best friends, and I think it was maybe at the end of high school that I started to get into film and art, and was starting to navigate, you know, creepingly in that direction. Um, Both of my parents were not in the art industry, Mm -hmm. one was a nurse, one was like, Uh, Like a troubleshooter for IBM at a corporate scale. So Mm -hmm. I do remember having a dinner with them when I'm like, I want to be a director. And I was talking about film at the time Mm -hmm. and they just gave me the most sideways look. um, Not even understanding how one could scale up to Mm -hmm. that position. It just seemed like a world that was so far and so imaginary. And even for me, I felt like that. But that was my assertion in that moment. Um, Then through university, I started to kind of lean into art history more, and then I was enjoying it, but I kept feeling the need of wanting to know what was happening now in the present moment. Uh, Art history at Queen's University in Canada only went up until the 70s. (laughs) So it just felt like, and then there would be like one day where there'd be like a little side note of like eighties, (laughs) nineties. Ooh, okay. It just felt like it's more of a traditional program, which is like Renaissance and Baroque, and I loved learning all of that, and it still fascinates me Mm. and is like an enriching part of my knowledge base. Mm -hmm. But um, it just felt like it wasn't tangible enough. It Mm. wasn't proximate enough. So, I thought that maybe what I do want to be doing is making work. Okay. So when I finished Queens, I ended up going to OCAD in Toronto and studying like film mm-hmm. and sculpture. Um, I fell in with an amazing group of incredibly talented artists and together I feel like we really pushed each other um you know intellectually and at the end of OCAD we all decided we would get studios together Mm -hmm. and that was kind of the beginning of my very first gallery what was supposed to be like a three-part shared studio space we got the funny idea that maybe on the weekend we would like put up a show photograph it and Mm -hmm. put it on what was such a crazy thing at the time? A blog, <laughs> and that, or like a website. And even though it was only up for a weekend, mm. because it had this like cemented status, and you mm. photographed it professionally, no one would know that um, the truth was we were just like kids putting up these shows. Right. Um, how did that work out? That we only did it once. <laughs> we realized how much work it was to put up a show and like have an opening. And then I think shortly after I was like, well, maybe I'll give up my studio and that can be one of the permanent rooms of the gallery. And that was kind of like the transition back into like running a gallery. Okay. Okay. Mm
0: -hmm. And at that time, did you have any role models? Did somebody inspire you either in the art world or somewhere else, somebody you looked up to?
1: honestly there weren't many role models Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's still a question that i get asked a lot even in new york um because usually people identify especially people who come up in new york identify with one specific gallery or Mm -hmm. program past or present like it might be this like idealized gallery that only existed for like a decade or something right but kind of um finding kinship or an ethos but because I was in Toronto and there was only really a handful of galleries, there wasn't anybody to really look up to. And at that point, I wasn't really tapped into the New York scene. Mm -hmm. We decided that from the outset that what the program that we wanted to pursue would be one that had an international focus. Um, Toronto, we found at the time, wasn't showing enough international artists, ones that we knew, okay. like other emerging, exciting practices. I think with that vision, there was. That was also getting caught up in a moment where the art world was really looking at emerging practices mm-hmm. with more intensity than mm-hmm. before. Mm-hmm. Um, things were starting to shift where like kids would come out of MFA programs and they would be superstars. So it wasn't just us thinking that like our nearest and like dearest peers were of importance, but the art world was also kind of like... Um, softly reiterating that Mm. as I've like come to realize it now so we started showing people from LA and Switzerland and Berlin and New York as well like quite a few New York artists and they would like come and set up exhibitions in Toronto Mm. so it was really hands-on often projects they had never done before offering them like new opportunities Mm. because sometimes as we found when a artists fell into a more commercial position their gallery definitely wanted them to kind of go with what the market was most readily absorbing Mm -hmm. and we were kind of offering them an opportunity to go wild right a little bit with us
0: how old were you when you opened that toronto gallery um
1: 2011 i think i was like i was under 27. wow yeah Mm -hmm.
0: And how did you find, how, how did you go about building credibility for the space knowing that you were a young gallery owner basically? Um, and how, what, what kind of, um, uh, what was the feedback from the, from the community, from buyers, from artists?
1: The feedback came like within the first six to eight months maybe even just six months, we knew we were doing something special. Okay. It was funny, all these art magazines, like, some based in, like, Italy or New York, were starting to, like, write little articles mm-hmm. mentioning us. Mm-hmm. At the same time, um, one of the artists in, like, the trifecta that started the gallery, his career was really launching. Right. Um, so it was, like, the gallery was doing so well. His career was on mm-hmm. the ascent. Um. So it was all like happening so fast and furious Mm. and what we thought was just kind of like a distant dream and almost like we were pretending to run a gallery (laughs) somehow became very fast reality. Mm. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think we were shocked and not having any role models it was I found one thing that was difficult is that the way I was learning was through mirroring right like, I, oh someone would do this I'm like okay and I would kind mm. of mirror back I've definitely scanned through some of my early emails and i like thinking they were like so tip-top professional I'm like whoa that's embarrassing <laughs> because I didn't have a sense of it but yeah it worked and I think people knew what we were mm-hmm. at heart and I often look at other galleries, and I see them in similar positions, and they're still rough around the edges, but what they have is like a very keen eye and mm. a keen sensibility. And mm-hmm. that's what is at the core of being a gallerist. Mm-hmm. So I think people are very forgiving. Like We would have New York galleries inquiring for price lists mm. on works. And right. We did our first art fair in New York in 2012 okay so only like a year and a After half into the gallery mm-hmm. and that just felt like what like how could this be happening so fast and it was great we had like pretty much a sold-out booth mm. so many people were buying from us we kind of brought people from the program together it just felt like the best I don't think it'll ever feel so good And again mm. it's just like your first art fair it goes so well like you feel that rush there's articles It's just like, Mm -hmm. it was heaven, definitely.
0: Yeah. And then how, so you kept the Toronto Gallery going for a number of years and then moved to New York. So tell me about that transition and what drove you to relocate to New York at that point.
1: Well, I kind of did a boomerang around to New York. Like I said, I felt like without any role models and like some concrete experience, I felt like after about two years of running the gallery in New York like some of my friends were already starting to migrate mm-hmm. to New York directly kind of moving on to MFA programs if they were artists mm-hmm. or just moving there because they're a little closer to the mix right and I was just felt some yearning for like well, maybe I do need to work for a gallery to really understand how mm. this goes and then one of the exhibitions that we did uh, with some artists from Berlin mentioned that a gallery in Berlin was hiring and I think by the end of the trip, I was like, well, you know, she's looking for a director. Like, if you want to toss my name in the hat, mm. um, you know, maybe feel free to do so, essentially. Uh, they were working with her. Okay. Um, and it was a gallery that, that I, you know, heavily admired called Tanya Layton. Um, she's an English woman who transplanted herself to Berlin and probably had been operating since 2008. This was like end of 2012 at this point and um I got the job and apparently it was a job that there were like hundreds and hundreds Mm. of applicants Mm. and I think just through knowing the artist and the interview process that I got it and there was articles like surprisingly articles about me getting the job for some reason wow and I was like oh this is great but then I I also it all happened within like three weeks and usually when you're programming you have like six to eight months of right. programming ahead of you so right. i felt this great conflict where i was like oh some of these projects have already been working on for nearly a year like it's mm-hmm. maybe too much to let them go i knew our lease was ending mm-hmm. um probably in like six months from then i'm like well, maybe I can still make this happen. So right. when I moved to Berlin, I was both starting working for her and then catching the North American workday and okay, helping so to Okay, so running organize. the gallery from
0: Berlin. Exactly. Oh,
1: wow. And obviously it's a formula for burnout. Yeah. <laughs> <But> <laughs> Not <laughs> recommended for wouldn't for recommend anyone. it to anybody. <laughs> wouldn't recommend it to myself to do it yeah. like It's too much. And you're spreading yourself too thin and luckily one of the artists that I started the gallery with he was more than willing to receive the artists when they landed Mm. I would help with the production so trying to get everything ready to right up into the point when they would uh, land and he would paint the walls and like Mm. help them find like a temporary cell phone or whatever they would need and then I would organize the photographer so somehow we did it for a few exhibitions but it was Ruling and these artists, some some of them were in Europe, some of them were in North America, mm. and it was. I think it was especially difficult because in Berlin it's a very relaxed city. Right. Most people I know didn't have jobs,
0: <laughs> so and then you I, had two, I had two jobs and two ostensibly. demanding ones.
1: Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> so I constantly felt very out of step mm. and like busy and frazzled and like my peers were not understanding why I was just so exhausted all the time, right. and maybe not paying attention to this or that, and I was like, well, I can't pay attention to your exhibition, I'm so enwrapped in my mm. own. Mm-hmm. One of the beautiful things about moving to Berlin, though, was realizing the touch that the gallery had outside of the border. It's you know more provincial Toronto borders, mm. that people really admired the program which I always got a sense for, and people would say it in like subtle ways, Um, but maybe being afar from it was the first time I really was like, oh, maybe I left something that's actually Mm. pretty crucial Mm -hmm. and important. Maybe I didn't realize what I had. Right. So that was tumultuous as Mm. well. And then kind of come August, I ended up being like, I'm not really meshing with Berlin or the job, I'm already a dual citizen. Right. I know what life would be like if I went back to Toronto. Mm. Like that's kind of my home base anyway. Yeah. So maybe not with full consciousness that I could start the gallery again in New York. But I ended up moving there, which is mm. probably the most I'm not a very spontaneous person, but that's when I look back, one of the most spontaneous decisions mm. that I ever had. And for the first six to eight months Like, luckily, I was working so much, I wasn't really spending money. Berlin's not an expensive city. So I just kind of, like, was able to live in New York and kind of just absorb, go to openings, go Mm -hmm. to shows, do studio visits without there being this impending agenda of me being associated with the gallery, just being, like, a curious person. Yeah. And everybody was so welcoming, so... And also, I did a lot of interviews. Mm. I had a really funny, like, gamified understanding of how I would treat an interview. And just to actually learn about New York, learn about how galleries saw themselves mm. through the interview process. That's so interesting. So kind. And I said no a lot. Like, I got mm. hired as a director, and I could tell, like, it wasn't a right fit. Um, so I said no, you know, mm. and a, a couple times actually. Um, but it, it didn't matter and it didn't matter if I didn't get the position or if the position wasn't a right fit for me. Like I was really kind of holding out uh, to have a better understanding of the terrain at mm-hmm. hand mm-hmm. and just like having that aspect of patience. Mm. One little funny story, how I met my partner at Downs & Ross is I ended up saying no to a position And simultaneously he was in Vienna trying to get out of Vienna. Okay. And he applied for the same job. So he went through the similar interview process Mm. afterwards and ended up taking the job job. that you turned down. And that's how we kind of met. So I was always like, Who's (laughs) this Alex Ross character? Mm -hmm. Um, like, you know, you always kinda want to meet the person who might be living your mirror life or something. And it's kind of the beginning for us connecting. Mm. So yeah, that always felt like very like ships passing in the night mm. for a little bit.
0: Yeah, almost meant to be. And yeah. and Alex is your business partner, but I believe you're also life partners exactly. too. Yeah. exactly. So. So what brought you to eventually be ready to say, okay, I'm gonna open my space.
1: I met someone, um, a New York gallerist, who was looking to invest in young galleries. Mm, okay. He had done it before with another gallery, which he was like very involved with, and the like I said, it was kind of that moment where the market was so feverish um, for young artists. And mm-hmm. There was this constant idea that like young talent could just like come out of the gate mm-hmm. and The work was escalating. Like in retrospect, there was this kind of like bubble market happening, Mm -hmm. especially in like a very specific genre of like painting practices, Mm -hmm. and like people were like feeding into it. Um, So I think he was investing. He's like, well, if I help start young galleries, like maybe I'll have access to younger artists. Mm -hmm. Um, And because he had already done this once, I definitely was onto him like I knew what the premise was Mm. but he loved the tomorrow program he had seen Mm. that I had been like proxy to someone's career rising quite quickly Mm -hmm. and that I had a good footing and was willing to give me like some seed money to start the gallery that's amazing and I think even more like yes the seed money is You know super important it wasn't a lot of money not and looking back on it now it was like knowing what how costly New York is yeah I'm like that was a pittance almost Mm. but probably the most valuable thing was the advice that he gave like if I ever had a question he would help me move to the next step immediately Mm. like administrative things like obviously I knew how things operated in Ontario but New York is a different beast um he could have a lawyer fast track something for me yeah, yeah, et yeah, yeah, yeah. so yeah. those those things that maybe people take a lot longer and could get tripped up on mm-hmm. in the first year moved a lot quicker yeah. and i learned just like a totally different idea and approach to the art world i mean one that's still very different than mine um, like the galleries that I work for in Berlin was so, you could tell she came from a curatorial background, mm-hmm. so thoughtful, so literary. Mm-hmm. It, a lot of it was like about writing long letters to curators and trying to like romance them about the work. And he was the exact opposite. If mm-hmm. I got a full sentence as an email, that was a rarity. He wow. was just like so quick, always wanting to hop on the phone. Like you always had the sense that he had like 10 deals going on yeah, at the same any one plan. time, yeah. so hyper-connected, like very, almost the epitome of what like a New York dealer can be imagined mm. to be, so it was like a shock, just going to this like very different dynamic, but I also, it was awesome, like it was kind of like, it was exciting, it was, it felt more in the mix, I felt like I had a good group to start with, uh, a good group of artists to start the gallery mm-hmm. with, so, okay. It was nice, there was a lot of excitement and yeah, I ended up opening my first space on Eldridge Street It was, mm-hmm. a, and it was a tiny little space, but I think it was one of those things where I just wanted to start off really small and grow in like a sensible fashion. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. And so how long did you keep that space for and what was the next step?
1: I had that space for three, three years? Mm -hmm. I think that's right. Maybe three and a bit or something like that. Um, I think the next step was that that gallerist who had been supporting me slowly started to move away from the art world. Mm -hmm. I think that there was kind of also that bubble that I was talking about Mm -hmm. started to deflate a little bit. Okay, And not that it hurt him directly financially Mm -hmm. but I think that he was kind of met with um, maybe something like a midlife crisis. Okay. And feeling that the market wasn't as hot. Yeah. And probably that he had played the market so well for Mm. a decade, was able to almost send himself into early retirement. (laughs) So I think he just took the side door and he's Mm -hmm. like, look, if you want to keep tomorrow the gallery, go for it. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. just just do it Mm -hmm. like you won't have me but keep going on your own yeah exactly and then at the time Alex and I were already a couple Mm -hmm. he was running a small gallery as well Mm -hmm. and we would do things together we Mm -hmm. would sometimes do the same art fair together like in Turin or you know we would kind of think of ways that we could travel together and do fairs together but Running a gallery all on your own is just incredibly difficult mm-hmm. because you have to be physically there every single right. second. You right. don't have anybody to lean into. And then seeing you and your partner both go through the same experience of being spread so thin, and you're both doing double time in front of each other. Mm-hmm. After a while, it just, maybe I just have like a collaborative nature to running a gallery. Like That's mm-hmm. how my first one started. And that's how I kind of opened tomorrow in New York. And then I saw Alex, who I respected, and still respect, Mm -hmm. so much um, that, and I think our programs were very similar. I think for someone in the industry, they might say they were very different, but Mm -hmm. that is a very tonal, granular difference, like Mm -hmm. a philosophical difference. Um, You know, we were still operating within the same vortex, Mm -hmm. essentially. Mm -hmm. So slowly, we started to, push the galleries together um, which was like a huge huge challenge I was definitely only thinking of the challenges of like branding and choosing a font and the aesthetics (laughs) but it's incredibly different to push two galleries together because you're working with artists who are young and trying to uh, self-identify through their peers and their gallery and then when you start to mesh them both together I can easily say the first year was a total mess. Hmm. It was such a mess. I just like, also figuring ourselves out. Mm -hmm. When are we doing the same tasks twice? Mm -hmm. Like trying to eliminate redundancy within how we operate and making it natural. We're not a corporation. We're just trying to slowly figure out you're more functional at this. Mm -hmm. I don't even like doing that or vice versa. Right. So... Playing on each other's trains. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And... It was just hard to also know like, who was communicating with which artist mm. when an artist wasn't feel, feeling communicated enough. You mm. know? Mm-hmm. Artists are needy sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. So you have to constantly be like keeping them in like a generalized mm. or periphery mix, depending on how busy they are and right. where they are. So, I mean, I think that's pretty much the trajectory. Mm. Now we're on the Bowery. We have a second space floor just north of Hester, and it feels good. It feels finally, like we've stepped through a curtain and yeah. left, like the messiness behind. Mm. Obviously, we have a lot more mistakes to make in the future. Right. But we're at an exciting You've time. a new
0: stage for sure. Exactly. How is it working? as your business partner with the person who's also your life partner?
1: <laughs> yeah, I would, again, I would recommend it to everybody. Um, it's definitely difficult uh, also to create time that is off time versus mm-hmm. time that is right. on. Mm-hmm. Th- those... And also, we have different philosophies about that. He's very much like, I want to be working at certain times. Mm-hmm. I want to not be working at certain times. Mm-hmm. And me, I'm so much more freeform. Like, mm-hmm. I can jump into it whenever I don't need set times. I will mm-hmm. leap into a project as the project timeline dictates. Right. And, you know, be like water, mm-hmm. essentially. Um, so we've had to kind of battle through that and me respecting time when he definitely needs downtime. And also just me, maybe, I am definitely the project manager okay. uh, for both of us. So sometimes reminding him that we're in a chaos period and you know there's a light at the end of the tunnel, that light is this date, mm-hmm. so that sometimes he can feel overwhelmed. Mm. Like even right now, We're building towards the Freeze Art Fair in New York. Mm -hmm. It's our first time doing the fair, Mm -hmm. and we're doing a solo presentation on top of doing a solo at the gallery. And we've done this type of um, opening, exhibition opening, all at once. But I think that with this one, we're doing like a larger rollout. We have like three days where it's like back to back dinners. Mm -hmm. So it's just like it really starts to get. Plaggy, right, say. right. It's yeah. just, there's just so much to do all at once, and I feel like there's a nice intensity because it's all going so mm. well, mm-hmm. but... Definitely you collapse into bed at the end of the day <laughs> and you think about when in a week and a half is going to be over. <laughs> right,
0: right. But it's also a super exciting time for what you yeah. guys have been building and for the for the gallery itself. Yeah. And you're, the exposure that you've received has mm-hmm. also been, I mean, there's a lot of uh, really good pieces, positive pieces about the space and about the work that you're presenting. Yeah. Um. And as a young woman running, you know, your own business, mm-hmm. how did and today you have a, a business partner, but mm-hmm. did you ever face a challenge? Was it ever difficult to, you know, get financing or try to convince somebody that you know what you're doing? And you know, even though you're a 30 year old in charge of a business, mm-hmm. how did that aspect of you know getting credibility uh, in the market happen for you?
1: It was the most, or let's say. I felt it most palpably when I was in Toronto, in the very Mm. beginning. Mm -hmm. I ran the gallery with two male partners. And I mean, part of this could be attributed to the fact that um, the Toronto Star, which is kind of like the main rag for like the arts articles, Mm -hmm. the writer is so egregious for having grammatical, like severe grammatical or like name swapping. Mm. So he would like swap my name out in articles and then inject another male artist's name who wasn't in, even involved in the gallery.
0: Instead of yours. Instead
1: of mine. <laughs> like was,
0: unwillingly or unknowingly, uh, rather? Unknowingly.
1: Huh. But obviously the, the implication yeah, is decided, systemic. Right? You know, where yeah. you're like, hmm, is this coincidence? Yeah, or, exactly. Only- I'm the only
0: woman in the group and somehow I've been left out.
1: Exactly, mm. and there would be times when I would feel that that like my position as like the woman in the group, oh maybe she's not doing as much when I was doing at times eighty mm. percent to ninety percent of the work mm-hmm. in terms of like communication and like getting things rolling. Both of the other my compatriots at the gallery, they were artists first and foremost. Right. So I was the one kind of holding up like the structure. Mm. So it was actually quite annoying. I also remember like there would be like sometimes articles on the gallery and we would do like a photo shoot and it would be the three of us. And then the article that would just end up or the pictures that would just end up in the articles would sometimes be like just the males. (laughs) So there was this strange moment when I'm like, am I getting edited out of my own contribution, out of my own history? And I would get pissed, you know, Mm. (laughs) because it just felt so blatant, yeah. And uh, Toronto can be kind of a boys' club mm-hmm. in many ways. I don't, I can't speak to it now. Um, now I'm lucky to know a really strong grouping of female artists in Toronto who right. are just slaying it, mm-hmm. and that makes me incredibly happy. Mm-hmm. But it was, it was hard at that time. It felt like people. Not even just in Toronto, we're really prioritizing male practices above all, and that was getting kind of like sidelined by that quite hard, which made like also getting the job in Berlin and there being like individual articles around that like all the more gratifying because I was Mm. starting to kind of branch out of like out of uh, you know being written out of my own history to to a certain extent. Mm. There was definitely a cusp point when people were recognizing that I was the front person but it was like a rough beginning mm-hmm. I think people who worked with us knew the dynamic and knew that there was a lot of equality mm-hmm. in the one to one of how we work I never felt like my um, the, my two compatriots were Trying to initiate this against me or trying mm. to be vindictive, right. I think they were actually very supportive. Yeah, it didn't it was come more from them. like the general environment mm. or just like maybe even higher up structures. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. And do you
0: find that when you moved to New York, started you know the space in New York, it wasn't as bad, and maybe because you were also. The front person for your own gallery without a group of men, you know, involved at the same time?
1: Yeah, I think by that point I had like individualized myself enough Mm -hmm. that that didn't happen as much. I never really experienced a type of editing problem Mm -hmm. after that because I was kind of like a sole operator, more or less. Right, so
0: they had to talk about you.
1: Exactly. Couldn't
0: take your picture out of the group shot.
1: Yeah, I mean, did I experience like sexism definitely in Berlin Mm. it's a hard city to be a female and sometimes I find that sometimes in Canada people will maybe it's more typical to be edited out of something in this kind of like passive aggressive swipe Mm -hmm. but in Berlin people would be up in your face sexist Mm. like they would they wouldn't just like work around you, they would say it to you, like, why do you have this job? Right. You know, and it would always not necessarily be Germans, but Americans who would become Hmm. expats there. I mean, and just felt this like sense of entitlement and they weren't gallerists, they Hmm. were just artists. Like (laughs) they didn't even like have comparable positions or like they weren't even artists that I was working with directly. But it, it was a very aggressive, male-dominated situation. Mm. And because there wasn't a lot of people who, ha- who came to Berlin for a job, most people come for like a lifestyle right. Right? and a cheap apartment, which mm. is an enviable position. But um, I think people were like, she's a woman and she's come for a job. Like, this is, like, foreign territory. Right, yeah.
0: So they weren't comfortable with that yeah. concept. They were made like, them what's going on here? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it was
1: just, like, a sussing out period, okay. definitely. Okay.
0: Um, switching gears a little bit, um, if you could go back in time, so through your career, your journey, is there something you would have done
1: differently if you had a chance to go back and change it? I've thought about that recently. I mean... Yes, there's definitely things I would change. I do remember like artists that we worked with, um, especially ones that were coming from Europe, like sitting down, giving me advice, being like, "Hey, you should apply for this fair. You should go for it," um, and me being apprehensive, like a big like young European fair. They were just like, "You should apply for this." Mm-hmm. Like. Your program is so great, you're like in such a ripe position to do it. And I think that there was a little bit of a sense of self doubt as mm-hmm. to if that was true mm-hmm. and could the gallery do that? Um, you know, we were kind of like self financing mm-hmm. in the beginning. Um, so it felt like a leap to be doing a European fair. And I do wish that. I could just like push my younger self and be like no you should just like apply for the fair like take that advice Mm. and like run with it Mm -hmm. like just go don't self-edit right don't self-doubt at an early phase i probably i mean there were a lot of young galleries at that time because there was this focus on a younger market that there was definitely more of a glut of galleries where now even in new york it feels like I don't see a lot of younger galleries opening in Manhattan as rapidly. Right, right, right. So it, it was more of a crowded playing field at the yeah, time. Yeah. But I think just to push myself and not to be afraid of doing something wrong mm. or, or not being able, like usually if you get to a certain stage and you feel like you're kind of reaching beyond your capacity or knowledge base, you're at the best point and if it's just like Usually, if it's just a little bit of financing that needs to take you to the next stage, you will find a way. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm not saying that people should like exceed like what is a comfortable space and like a fallback position, mm-hmm. but usually you can make that financing come together. Right. You know, if you're wily. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah.
0: If we fast forward 10 years from now, looking back, what will be the one
1: thing you'll be the most proud of? Oh. No, I still think of what's in the past or what's in the possible future
0: well it could be in the future cause oh. if we
1: oh that is such a complicated question <laughs> I don't, it's it's impossible for me to say because I feel like maybe because I don't feel like the roller coaster ride has come to an end mm. I feel still feel very much on the ascent so the best hasn't happened yet the best hasn't happened mm. and uh, that's an exciting position but I feel it very genuinely that there's more to come there's still so many unknowns Mm -hmm. Um, the great thing about the New York art world is that you realize how big the art world is Mm -hmm. and how many pockets there are and like once you think you have like a grasp you kind of like lift up the carpet and there's another like you know Grouping of people to tap into, and it's so diverse, you know, it supports a large program. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I'm just excited for what's to come at every stage.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that answer. What would be your advice for a young woman who wants to start working in the, in the art world?
1: It depends what they want to do, um, there's so many ways to insert yourself. And I have so many friends who are fellow female gallerists, Mm -hmm. and each one has had a completely different path. Like, some starting at smaller galleries and working up to Chelsea, Mm -hmm. Um, some starting with like smaller galleries and helping to build out a program and then kind of like moving on. I think it's all like you have to really trust what your skill set is. And where you want to insert yourself? There's so many places. Um, it's hard. Mm-hmm. It's, it's almost hard for me to give blanket advice because there's so many niches in the art world, and it really depends. Like I went through an art history program, mm-hmm. so as a young undergrad, I just remember all the girls being like, "I want to work at." In- Christie's, mm-hmm. which is like the upscale yeah. auction house. Yeah. And I was like, Ugh, that sounds boring. <laughs> and how do we all want to work at Christie's? Yeah. Like, yeah. This seems so unreasonable. Mm. Um, I think it's just patience. And also, you have to have a very tough skin. Mm-hmm. I have okay. to say, uh, there's always a million ways to second guess yourself. You have to be acting. Confidently, mm-hmm. um, I think one of the biggest things that gallerists struggle with is missed opportunities. Not jumping at something okay. quickly enough, okay. like
0: like a business opportunity
1: could be a business opportunity, but also could be an artistic opportunity. Mm-hmm. Like let's say doing a studio visit with an artist and not approaching the artist to do a project mm-hmm. soon mm-hmm. enough, right? Or something like that. Like, yeah. kind of like stepping through a threshold to get to a next stage. Okay. And then instantaneously you're cut off and you can't make that pathway. Right, happen right. right. Okay. And then the artist goes on to great things. Like, that's, yeah, that's a very else. silly, exactly. <laughs> like, you can constantly torture yourself right, with these yeah. things. And some of them you can definitely let go. But there are, even for me, some where I'm like, that one still hurts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. But maybe it's like that with all business ventures. I, I think so. I just feel like yeah. with yeah. New York, life is very hand-to-hand combat right. constantly. Timing is so crucial, not just mm-hmm. with timing of shows, but timing of asks and when you step into a relationship mm-hmm. where you are in proxy to the other person, Like it's super important, especially because we do work with, mostly younger artists we have some estates and artists of various like ages but i mean even our mutual uh connective tissue Mm -hmm. would be vicky alexander a fabulous pictures generation artist who has a forthcoming Mm -hmm. show at the Vag in july Mm -hmm. and i remember stepping into an exhibition of hers completely randomly in Toronto just trying to like visit the gallerist friend that was there and I kept looking pat over his shoulder and I'm like what is this work mm. and I was just it, could, it just like dug itself into my brain and I had to do something immediately mm. I, I must have called or emailed Vicky within a week like mm, right? I would not pause on it Yeah, because it just you learn that sometimes you just can't let things kind of sit on the back burner and it's listening
0: to your instinct if you yes. have a strong reaction to something to an artist jump on the chance make Absolutely. it happen right away
1: exactly mm-hmm.
0: yeah i like that um is yeah. there a thing you wish women would be doing more of generally in any field could be in the arts but could be in anything
1: <sighs> Hmm. I, mean, I work in a field or especially the women that I know and work beside at other galleries they're bosses you know I know a lot of bosses mm-hmm. women bosses yeah. in my life um, they're a already incredibly empowered people you know but also very real people they struggle to make Life and work juggle mm, still mm-hmm. it's always as a, with like as being a female entrepreneur you're constantly struggling with how to be generous to yourself as a person mm. like what you know to keep your spirit high I really think that people hit a certain point sometimes in the industry that they operate where like boredom sets in right. or like you see the corruption of the system, not maybe corruption's not the right word, but you see the structure too clearly and mm-hmm. it begins to grind on you or mm-hmm. it begins to bore you. And it's a hard thing to also like reinvest in yourself enough that you can create longevity, within what you originally set out to do Mm -hmm. and like love enthusiastically. Mm, That's a very interesting concept. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's, I see people kind of struggle, not, I wouldn't say struggle, but especially because I don't think it comes to an end at any point. Mm. It's a constant restructuring of your time Mm -hmm. and efforts and what your needs are in that moment. Mm -hmm.
0: And speaking of kind of finding that balance in life and making sure you do, as you said, like how you said that you you do what's needed to keep your spirit high. Yeah. Is there a routine for you that keeps you grounded, that brings you kind of balance on a daily basis?
1: Oh, I love working out. Oh, (laughs) Oh, that's 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 kind of, that definitely, maybe I just need that endorphin high a Mm -hmm. little bit, but Mm -hmm. um, I love to run. I run like four... Four or five times a mm. week mm-hmm. I, I love to do Pilates I think it just also the job is very physically demanding and yeah. I don't think people maybe from watching shows like gallery girls yeah. or sex in the city I think there's a character <laughs> in sex in the city who's a gallerist yes know that you're not just a pretty pretty princess yeah. sitting yeah. at the front desk I mean there are people <clears> who <throat> occupy that job for mm-hmm. sure but that's that hasn't been my path like, you, I'm hauling work. Like, you have to be mm. prepared to kind of, ju- like, take this off physical take labor down yeah. and, like, hang a painting as right. well mm. um, with some grace. Mm-hmm. Like, you're, <laughs> you know, you try. So you're constantly, like, changing hats. So I find fi- being physically fit is a really way to, like, both stay positive, like, mm. stay in good health. Mm-hmm. Like, you're often, like, traveling through different time zones and just, like, really taking care of yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, I find that a pretty important thing to yeah. do, just yeah. self-maintenance. Okay, I I don't want to hate myself by saying self-maintenance, but <laughs> it's, there it is. It's been said. <laughs> no, wait. I
0: mean, it sums it up really well. Yeah um is there a book that deeply influenced your life or marked your life or influenced you in any way
1: i th- loved i think i think later maybe a few years ago i stumbled onto a book from the 80s of like gallerists to know and like each gallery gallerist had like a little profile hmm. um I think it was written by like one of the gallerists' lovers too. It was like a real like insider like trash mag, and I think that at that point I was kind of ready to hear across industries like other people's stories, but also how people kind of manufactured their story as a gallerist. I'm mm. so used to creating what you could call like an artist's narrative, like mm. how they operate, where is the work coming from, giving context but thinking kind of like how a gallery evolves and what is a business, a business's story Mm, mm -hmm. and how that trajectory constantly needs like to be cared for Mm. as well. And how well with us, it's very incremental as it grows show by show, but also through usually an artist, uh, a gallery is built through not a lot of artists, but probably like four, to five Mm. like superstars Mm -hmm. they're usually the ones that like define a program um so something that was really like it was a nostalgic book to look through and obviously it felt at a step with any art world I had experienced because it's all happening in like a Mm pre-computer era right right which seems completely foreign at this point different world but um I think it finally clicked why people in New York are so obsessed with like their own gallery lineage and that there's there's a lot of pride of like mm. what has happened in New York and mm-hmm. what continues to evolve, um, which is really beautiful. Mm-hmm. I think collectors have a lot of confidence in... Um, the art world in New York, Mm -hmm. and it's nice to have collectors that also drop by and you have a really active conversation with them. Mm -hmm. I'm digressing, actually, but, um, yeah, it kind of made me appreciate the environment that I've stepped into in New York, Mm -hmm. more so than maybe the first years when it was really sculpted more by my most immediate peers. Right. Mm
0: -hmm. That's interesting. Well, those were my questions, Sarah. Thank you so much for coming to speak to me this morning. My pleasure. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review on the podcast app of your choice. I'll be back next week with a new guest on the show. Thank you so much for listening.